Welcome to Coffee Conversations. We have a very special episode coming to you today. It is Bob Dylan's birthday and he is turning 79. So I wanted to do something really cool for this. Um, my name is Jen. I am your host. I'm with Shock City School of Music. And Bob Dylan is very special to me. So I wanted to just do something fun and just kind of hang out and chat about Bob Dylan. So I realized that I should probably find somebody that loves Bob Dylan as much as I do or more and that knows a lot about Bob Dylan. So conveniently enough, my business partner, Larry Rubin, um, with the school, is probably by far the biggest Bob Dylan fan that I will ever encounter. Maybe you will ever encounter as well. Um, so I am going to be chatting with him and he's going to share with us some really cool stuff. So we're going to welcome on Larry. So again, welcome to our very special episode. Hi, Larry. Hi, Jen. How are Hi. you? Good. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for having me for Bob Dylan's 79th birthday. Yeah, I was um, during the introduction. Going on 100 if you've seen him recently. <laughs> right. Well, during the introduction, I was saying that I couldn't think of anybody that is more knowledgeable and that loves Bob Dylan more than yourself. Um, so I think you are the best person for the celebration for all things Bob Dylan. Well, I'm happy to be here. And yeah, I do know a lot about Bob Dylan and have liked him for more years than I care to mention. So let's start talking about him. Yeah. Well, first let's introduce you a little bit. So I, I mentioned that you are uh, my business partner with Shock City School of Music. Um, you are also an owner of Shock City Studios. So That's you've right. got both crossover. Um, so thank you again for being here. And so we've got Bob Dylan behind me. Right. Do you want to take a guess of what year that picture is from? That's from, I'd say, 1965 or 6. You want to take another guess? <laughs> no, that's got to be from 65 or 6. You might, well, you might be right. I could have, my information could be off. Um, I think it's from 63, but again, I could no. be wrong. No, You're, you think I it's think, later? I know it's later than that, Jen. I'll, <laughs> okay. I'll prove it to you in is a few minutes. Is it his hair? His hair and the, okay. elect, the electric guitar, of course. Well, sometimes the internet, the internet can lie. Oh, the right. electric guitar. That's a good right. hint. It's a Fender. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll so, take your word for it. So yeah. Thank so you. how long have you liked Bob Dylan, and what was your original inspiration to liking him? Well, when I was a young kid, let's say maybe ten or eleven <laughs> years old, I was like all the other kids back then. There was no. Um, satellite radio, no streaming, obviously. Um, in fact, there was no FM radio. All the music we heard was came through AM radio from KXOK, and they would play the top 40 hits. And back then, you know, I was list I'd listen to the whatever they played on Top 40, which was the Beatles, Beach Boys, those type of things. And it was kind of like the Beatles were... I want to hold your hand and she loves you. Mm -hmm. Then all of a sudden in uh, early 65, the song comes on the radio and it's like, goes on and on and on all these words. It's like six minutes long. It's like a Rolling Stone. Okay. So <laughs> I, I was, you know, just a kid. I didn't know what all the words meant or anything, but it 
was intriguing and it was different than anything that I'd ever heard played on a top 40 radio station on my little AM transistor radio. Oh, cool. And this was in 65? This was 65, yeah. Okay, nice. So I, I bought the the single, the 45 in those days. It's all the kids <laughs> bought singles. Right. Um, and I played it and I wore it out. And the flip side had a song called Gates of Eden, which was even weirder because <laughs> it was kind of a another classic Dylan song from that era that went on about six or seven minutes and was acoustic and had all kinds of imagery and words it was not meant for 10 year old kids to be (laughs) hearing yeah so that was kind of my introduction I I didn't really buy a lot of albums at the time and not till I was later in high school and early in college that I start to get explore more into I mean I had heard by then you know the popular Dylan songs blowing in the wind and times they were changing and all those things but I really hadn't dug into a deep catalog, which by this time in the late 60s, early 70s, he had already come out with most of his classic material of the time. Right. So I started digging deeper into the catalog and I was hooked from there forever. So. Oh, cool. So what do you know, when did he start, um, when did he come to New York and start his I, I know he started kind of playing in um, some low-key places, and he learned a little bit from Woody Guthrie, right? Yeah, he was, again, you can get all this in the history books, but um, yeah, he was a big Woody. He he moved to New York, and he was kind of a, a Woody Guthrie fanatic, and he kind of became a, a Woody Guthrie, I won't say an imitator, but he was in that tradition of being like a folk type guy who he made up stories that he had hopped on freight trains mm-hmm. and traveled the country. And he told everyone different stories, giving himself an exciting background when he was really just a guy from Minnesota who went to New York to try to make it as a folk singer in a, uh, a folk, um, explosion that was happening yeah. in the late 50s early 60s so is that when he went to is that when he went to new york so how yeah. many um so how many albums were out before you became exposed that's to a good question yeah he, he was there in the early 60s and he recorded a first album uh, i believe in 62 which was not a lot of i think there was only one original song on it the rest were covers of old folk type songs okay 62 Two later, he came out with the song that had uh, the album that had Blowing in the Wind mm-hmm. on it. Uh, it's kind of funny. By the time I heard of him in 65, I was familiar with the song Blowing in the Wind, but I didn't put together that the same guy who was singing <laughs> like a Rolling Stone wrote Blowing in the Wind. I thought well, they're so in different. The <laughs> I thought Blowing in the Wind was uh, just a traditional folk song. You'd heard it so much and Peter, Paul and Mary sang it. Okay. And I just figured no 21 year old guy wrote that song. It's just something that's been around for forever. Well, that uh, was, so, um, wasn't that about Vietnam or is my timeline no, all off? Your timeline's a little off. That was a little before Vietnam. I mean, okay. we had just got into Vietnam, but, um, so he came out with that album and then he came out with, the times they were changing the next one in 63. Okay. By then he was a folk legend. Joan Baez had 
brought him on stage with her and they became involved. And all the folkies who were um, looking for a new hero, he was like their spokesperson. And he, he was at the Martin Luther King, I have a dream speech. He went down south and he, you know, a lot of things with um, racial inequality and he played songs down there. Okay. And he was a folk hero before he was even known for being on the radio or anything. Yeah. But he didn't really want to be that. And he, you know, that's when the story goes that he um, went electric in 65 <laughs> kind of all the folk people were booing him at his concerts. Ah. And it was a, so a good movie with the Robbie Robertson from the band, who was their backup band at the time um, that they first went electric uh, or early on in that process about how they went out on stage every night and they were booed <laughs> just mercilessly. Um, and uh, the, the, the people who were supposedly real open-minded and in, um, in the folk tradition, you know, being anti-prejudice and, you know, those type of things. Now, all of a sudden, they were calling him Judas and saying that he sold out and all that. When he, as, as you see over the years, he was always doing that, always changing. And I mm -hmm. feel kind of the same way when he went through one phase. It's like, ah, why is he doing this? Why is he <laughs> singing these kind of songs? Why is he, you know... All of a sudden, he's uh, you know found Jesus and he's recording religious albums, and then he's recording old blues stuff. And so, even though he's my favorite, there's he, he goes through different periods and changes. And I can't say I like all his music, but I I went back and looked. I have sixty five Dylan albums. Wow, are those and, um, what format are those CDs? Vinyl. Uh, they're all CD. I, I have them in vinyl, and then when CDs started coming out, I've got them in CDs. Oh wow! So you've well. got both. So I've got both oh, up amazing. till the point when CDs came out. I stopped buying the vinyl, so everything before okay. '88 or whatever I have in vinyl and CD. Wow. Um, so yeah, so my, I mean, my favorite period, which is kind of the most incredible period I think in modern music history, is from '60 to 66 within about a year year and a half period he came out with three albums that are probably in the top 10 albums of all time um and it's incredible that he wrote all those songs in such a short period of time in which albums are those those are starting with bringing it all back home which was the first time he had a band with them i mean it has subterranean homesick blues mr okay. tambourine man um as well as a bunch of others. Next was Highway 61 Revisited, mm -hmm. which came out just five months later. Oh, wow. Okay, that's quick. And it had uh, <laughs> Like a Rolling Stone, Desolation Row, which is, you know, like a 10-minute classic song, um, Ballad of a Thin Man, and just, uh, it was, I mean, it's I think Rolling Stone named it the top album of all time. And then he followed that up not, not eight or nine months later with Blonde on Blonde, which was like the first double album of its kind. And so we really had four albums out within a year. Wow. Um, and, you know, I, I would recommend anybody who's really interested in finding out about 
everything up to that period, how he transitioned from the folk scene to that up to the time when he was touring with the electric band till he had a motorcycle accident that kind of put everything up to that point on halt. There's a, D, a two DVD collection that Martin Scorsese directed called No Direction Home, mm-hmm. which is, I would say, the place to start if you're really interested in getting the history of how he came to be. Okay, uh, so it's pretty accurate historically? It's pretty uh, yeah, historically accurate. Okay. It's got some interesting um, interviews with Dylan in the later years describing how things were going on. What year did that come out? That came out not too long ago, within the last five or six years. And that was, um, so there was a lot of covers done. Uh, I mean, other um, well-known musicians covered Bob Dylan songs for the the score, right? For the soundtrack? I think, no, that one had a lot of his, his soundtrack had a lot of his early stuff, plus some unreleased versions. Oh, okay. Um, There's, there's a lot of different uh, cover type things. There's there's one real good one. I can't recall the name. It's a triple CD that all different artists from Miley Cyrus to Ozzy Osbourne <laughs> are covering his songs. It's really interesting. Okay, so that's something take. different. Okay, that's something different. Yeah, that's why you're uh, here as the expert and not me. Yeah. Well, I'm I I, I love Bob Dylan, but now I realize maybe I don't know yeah. enough about him. <laughs> yeah, I, I think watching that No Direction Home would be a real good place to start, okay. of course. And then there's the No Looking Back documentary, which um, has a lot of interesting footage hmm. of, from his English tour when he went uh, over there in 65 and was electric for the first time. Okay. It's got him, some things with him and John Lennon. Oh, that'd be uh, cool. Riding in a, a taxi together and... Uh, Oh, wow. uh, Dylan and Donovan and Joan Baez backstage wow. rehearsing new songs with each other. Amazing. So that's really, it's kind of a classic Dylan footage in there. Okay. I'll have to check that out. And those are, those are, I think traditionally, those are like the classic Dylan period of time when he first, when his kind of his reputation was cemented. If he had not done anything after 66, he, Probably still would have been the greatest songwriter of all time. <laughs> yeah. And then he's added another 50-something years to that. Wow. So, yeah. So um, what was the first concert that you saw? What year? I know that you've seen a lot of concerts, and we'll get into how many later. But what, yeah. what was the, the first, first year? The first year I saw him, I remember I was just 10, 11 years old when all this was going on. And I, my parents probably wouldn't let me go to a concert, even <laughs> if I knew to go to a concert. But, yeah. Um, so, and he took, after his motorcycle accident, he kind of holed up in Woodstock and didn't really perform um, or go on the on tour um, from that time in 66 all the way to 74. He made some one-off oh, appearances okay. like at the concert for Bangladesh and Isle of Wight concert and a couple of those type appearances, but he didn't really go on a, on a tour to, that the mm. public could see in their city till then. I, so by then I was old enough. I was in college and uh, he, he had the band was his backup band. Okay. And so the band, they played at the old checker dome, which then became the arena. So that was the first so time in I St. saw Louis. him. And said the first time I saw him in 74 oh, wow. uh, was with the band and that, uh, live album before the flood documented that tour 
Oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah, I don't really remember much about it uh, to really comment on anything. Okay. Um, but so, that was the first time I've, I saw him. And then I'm assuming the last year you saw him was 19, given your shirt. My shirt is actually, I, I can talk about in a little while. <laughs> My shirt is from a symposium I went to oh, okay. uh, last year. I did see him. I think he played at uh, the Fox last year. And you went to uh, that? I went to, I've, I've seen him every time he's come to St. Louis. So that was in St. Louis. So how many yeah. times just in St. Louis have you seen him, do you think? I think I've seen him, I'm trying to ask maybe 30 times. Just in St. Louis or all together? Just in St. Louis. Uh, I've only seen him out of town two or three times. Oh, okay. I saw him at the original um, Farm Aid concert in, back in 80. Three, I think I saw him in Chicago once when I just happened to be there. Okay. Um, but I haven't really, I'm not like a Grateful Dead, <laughs> Deadhead touring with him or anything. You're not I'm, a not that, I'm not that, I'm not that kind of fanatic. I, in fact, I, you know, I've seen him 30 times and I don't think I've ever gone, gone to one show that I've said that was among the greatest shows I've ever seen. I hate to say Okay. Um, I mean, I love his music. I love him as a songwriter. I even like his singing for the most part up till recently when his voice is kind of gone. I mean, I, people would always say he can't sing, but I mean, his voice is... Well, it's not his is, greatest attribute, but... Yeah. Um, I mean, I his mean, voice is different and he's not an opera singer or he doesn't have a traditional right. voice, but he can carry a tune and he can sing his songs like nobody else can sing them, so... But somehow, you know, you've, you've probably read, if you know anything about Dylan at all, in concert, he changes things around. He's, I guess, uh, he's been on tour nonstop for like the last 30 years. And so I guess somebody could get bored out, of, bored out of playing the same songs over and over. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, he changes things around, which, you know. And he kind of jams really out a little bit, too. Yeah, it's hard to read. Some of the he changes the the tempo. The the he doesn't really change the lyrics much, but he changes the tempo and the melody and okay. the inflections. And sometimes you're at a concert and it's like takes you a couple minutes to figure out what song it is, even though it's like a song you've heard a million times before. Right. And that's to me. That's a little. Has it always I mean, been I, like that, or just more recently? Because I know rec I, more okay. recently, but it it actually. He was kind of slipping into that all along. Again, I would suggest if you want to, I wish I was old enough, some of the footage that's in that uh, DVD and either of those two DVDs that I just mentioned, showing him in the 60s, either playing acoustic, do, I mean, it's unbelievable, just him and the guitar mm -hmm. um, playing these songs or playing with the band. I mean, he was a great live performer and really i mean tremendous since then he's i guess i i haven't really if i would have been old enough to see him at those concerts i probably would have said this is the greatest concert i've ever seen but okay i've never been able to say that i mean as opposed to if you go to a springsteen concert and you like springsteen you'll come away just saying that was incredible I think the I, I think the energy is just different. I've seen um, I've seen Springsteen yeah. one time that was in two thousand and nine, um, and I've seen Bob Dylan maybe four times. I think the first time was probably two thousand five, so it was kind of mm -hmm. recently. 
um, and had kind of the same experience you're talking about, um, where it's really hard to decipher what was going on. Um, The thing you got to kind of watch out, there's so many people who idolize him beyond, I mean, I would say I don't idolize him. I just love his music and and that, but it's not like, He's Dylan. He can do no wrong. A lot of people have that attitude, and I <laughs> sure. go to a sh- I go to a show and I see it and I go, ah. Uh. Well, well, the and, tickets and are so expensive. Her, like you want to well, have a good concert experience, and it. But then I read a, a review hard. of the same show I just sat through, and they say it, Dylan's on top of his game. It's the greatest <laughs> performance. Blah blah blah. Oh, they're go, too kind. <laughs> they're too yeah. They they just are falling under the Dylan idol. Yeah, I I mean, I'm sure he's putting on a great show, and he has, but, um, you know, seeing him now versus even right. 20, 30, 40 years ago is going to be a yeah, different experience. Yeah. But the um, thing is, the, the thing that I kind of do admire about him is that he's, well, we know it's his birthday today, and he's 79. You think of his contemporaries, and none of them are putting out meaningful music right now. I mean, I don't like everything that he does, but in the last 10 to 15 years, he's still writing new, creative, interesting music. His voice is totally froggy. And, you know, it's not even, even compared to what it used to be, it's not there anymore. But he's writing songs that are, that are still good and still interesting. They're not like his classic stuff, but you can't say that, Paul McCartney or the Rolling Stones or any of those people are really, in my mind anyway, writing well, anything that's comparable to their, yeah, to their best well, stuff. Well, it's not comparable. I mean, um, I can't comment on the Rolling Stones, but I know Paul McCartney is still putting out music. And yeah. it's, he, might, he, he might be the only one. It's more it's, poppy, and he actually composed a symphony, so I give him credit for that. Yeah. Um, and then, um, prior to Tom Petty's death, he still had, um, yeah. some albums that were pretty good. Tom Petty was one of the few who continued. And now of course he's, uh, but he was younger and he, he's 10 years younger than Dylan and he's kind of a, he's very vibrant. Following. Yeah. Very energetic, a little yeah. bit of different feel. Um, but I've seen, speaking of Tom Petty, I did, I've seen some good tours going back to the tours with Dylan. He, he, Played with Tom Petty as his backing band. He played with the Grateful Dead as his backing band. Okay. Uh, the, the band, obviously. Um, he shared the bill with Paul Simon and oh, wow. Willie Nelson. And um, so I've seen some really interesting collaborations and things that yeah. have made for some memorable concerts, even if. <laughs> Sounds like, so Dylan's you saw all actual, of those that you just mentioned? Yeah, I oh, saw wow. all of those. Okay. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy. So. But, uh, yeah, I guess one thing along the lines I thought was interesting that I saw an interview with him recently and somebody said, you know, he wrote all this classic material in the 60s. And over the years since then, I mean, if he had never written the 60s material, he's written enough good stuff after his heyday, after his prime, so to speak, that he still would have been the greatest songwriter, even for his what you would consider not his best work. He's still got a ton of great stuff. But somebody asked him like, Bob, your new stuff's good, but it's not like like a Rolling Stone or Desolation Row or Mr. Tambourine Man. 
why can't you write a song like that anymore? <laughs> Which is kind of a nervy question. And Dylan got, he didn't really get perturbed, but he, he <laughs> said, you, you don't understand what it's like to be an artist. He goes, you have inspiration that comes to you and you can't create inspiration if it's not there. You know, you're in a certain time and a place in your life and certain things come to you. And some of my songs just kind of came to, through me. I don't even know how I got them. So I can't just go out and say, I'm going to write a song just like that again. He goes, that's not how an artist works. An artist no. works on, on the, when he has the feeling or whatever. So he said, the question has no answer to it. I can't tell you why I couldn't write another song like that. It's because I'm not in that time and place in my life. Yeah. And I don't even know how well it would be received. It's like, nobody's writing music like that. Right. It's just that. So I, I thought that was kind of an back interesting. Back in that, that's its own genre. Like I, I just, you know, everything um, yeah. become morphs into something else. So he could write something that's great right now presently, but it, I don't think anyone's really, I mean, you could obviously recreate that style of the classic rock and all of that, but it just would yeah. be the I same. Yeah, I mean, he wrote a song a few years ago uh, that Adele covered and had a big hit with it that, Mm -hmm. uh, to me, it was just a throwaway song on a Dylan album, but she turned it into a hit. So your your point's kind of right. If you write something that gets performed in a way that people are used to hearing a modern song, you can still have uh, some popularity. But yeah, I don't um, know what I what I always love about him is. Um, I mean, this is this isn't an original thought. This is very common knowledge for Bob Dylan, but. Um, how poetic he is. He loves poetry and the lyrics are very substantial in his music. So to me, um, that's one of the reasons why I really enjoy his music. Um, it's not really about there being an elaborate, elaborate instruments or different things like that. I mean, obviously his band is great and all of, all of that has been written very well, but it's more about um, what he's singing about and the inflection and the feeling behind it. Yeah, yeah um, I agree. Meaning. I mean, it's so, like... So, I mean, his voice, I mean, it doesn't have to be great because he's singing very passionately um, about what he what he's feeling and thinking. And so I think that's the main thing about him that's so wonderful. Yeah, I, I mean, you're right that the basic, you know, from a musician background, which you obviously have, there's most of his uh, songs are not complicated they're either based on you know simple folk or blues progressions um you know simple verses choruses bridges you know there's nothing mm -hmm. real complicated in fact a lot of them are kind of repetitive just verses and with a ton of lyrics thrown in there that but you're right it's it, at the time again you're you've read about it but you're a little young at the time when he was, why he's so influential is before him, pop songs were all about Boone and June and Sky and being in love and like that. And the fact that he became popular pretty much pushed the Beatles to be, to change beyond what they were. Be a little bit more you rugged. Read, <laughs> you read a lot of yeah. John, you read John Lennon's biography and he was, kind of, they almost had like a competitive thing going like, um, you know, well, if, if Dylan pushed John Lennon to another level, but then when Dylan saw how popular the Beatles were, 
it encouraged him to go over to England and examine getting his music to a wider audience through being more of a rock-based performer, mm-hmm. which he was evidently in high school. He wanted to be Little Richard when he grew up, and he was a rock and roller before he kind of moved to New York and got caught up in the folk scene. So it's not like he really ever really sold out and became electric. That's just kind of the <laughs> just kind of the, the title they put on him. Yeah. Hmm. It's interesting. Yeah. Well, it's, it's always, I'm always glad to see someone younger than me who appreciates Dylan for, you know, rather think, than just saying I think saying a lot he, of people do. I, even when I was in college, um, I took a poetry class and one of the things we studied was Bob Dylan lyrics. Hmm. And I thought that was really cool, of course, because <laughs> there's the, the music tie-in. Um, my professor, he was really cool. I think this was at, this was at Lindenwood, um, you know, but he just talked about um, what poets influenced Dylan and things like that. Mm, and interesting. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that was just kind of neat. And, but no, I've always loved, I've always liked Dylan. Maybe it's your fault. Yeah. I don't know. But um, I mean, I <laughs> well, appreciate a... good music. I also love the Beatles and um, classic rock is kind of my thing. So yeah, well, I mean, that's I mean, why I... we're doing this Bob Dylan special. I wouldn't just cover anybody's birthday. <laughs> right. Well, there's a lot of room. I'm not saying because Dylan's my favorite. I don't love the Beatles. Or is he your number else. one favorite of all? I'd say he's my number one favorite of okay. all. Just uh, again, if I had to, there's certain of his albums and things I could just throw away or throw into the fireplace yeah. and I'd be, you know, I wouldn't care. I mean, everything he's done, I'm not crazy about, but it's just such a, just his best stuff and the magnitude of great stuff, just the influence he had. I think it's, it's nice that another generation of people picks up on the fact that it's, it's hard to, hard to relate to the influence unless you were around at the time that, you know, listening back to music that came out, unlike anything that's come out before that, you can hear it in, a lot of music nowadays. Anytime you hear lyrics that are um, interesting or poetic or that, I mean, you can almost trace it back. I don't know if you could say it wouldn't have happened if Dylan wasn't around, but. No, he definitely hit that. uh, I mean, I feel like there's a, and this just could be my opinion. I think everybody has different influencers when it comes to music, but um, for me, it seems like, there was this small window of time between like, you know, sixties and seventies that all of those musicians were doing really cool things that have, you know, they pushed the limits of music at the time. And it was just this really cool decade for music. Um, and there's been nothing that has even come close to it. I mean, the, the eighties were okay. It's not my favorite, um, Mm -hmm. decade for music, but I, it just wasn't the same. Yeah. It was very rock and roll. Things started becoming a little bit more electric, but um, you know, sixties and seventies really kind of introduced and paved the way for all of that. And I don't listen to, uh, I don't listen to a lot of pop music at all. Um, I've just, I, I don't care for modern music. I'd rather, you know, I think what people were doing before um, when all they had was a guitar and their voice and they're just creating music you know, they didn't have a lot of resources. They didn't have a lot. And, you know, they're just sitting 
on their back porch or whatever, um, you know, creating a song and that was it. And, um, it was all original because now everything is so oversaturated. It's like, well, it's all kind of the same and this led to this and whatever. Um, so yeah, I just kind of hold all of that very dear to me because it just seems very, um, you know, again, original and organic and very raw. So I think that's a very, um, you know, it, it's a very important time in music history. So, and the music's awesome. Yeah, was, it's well, I, the best. <laughs> I agree with you, but, uh, but, uh, if I agree with you, I sound like an old fogey. So if you, well, if you, you live through it, I, I, I'm jealous. I didn't live through any yeah. of it. I'm just, I see yeah. Bob Dylan when he's performing, when he's in his seventies, it's not the same. No, um, it's not the same. Yeah. The, those years between when the, if you look at Dylan and the Beatles, the years the Beatles went from I want to hold your hand and she loves you, yeah, 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 to within a couple of years, Sgt. Mm-hmm. Peppers and Gosh, the White so Album and, and all those it, things. Yellow Submarine. It's, it's the same years Dylan was going from, mm-hmm. you know, blowing in the wind to, you know, all these other things mm-hmm. that came two years later. Right. And uh, those years were the years that, in my mind, were like the, launching pad for music as it evolved and mm-hmm. so in fact i got a couple albums that oh yeah out. let's see those these are some signed dylan albums i didn't get them signed from him i've never met the man mm-hmm. and actually sometimes you always meet people that you want to meet people that are your that you idolize mm-hmm. or you respect or i'm not sure i want to meet him because i think it might taint something I, I think it might because yeah. I've heard he's pretty grumpy and pretty grouchy and pretty unfriendly. And uh, I think I would be too if I was having to travel and do the same thing yeah, like that for yeah. 50 years. I don't blame but, the man. But in 1964, times are changing. Wow. Here's what, here's what he looked like. He looked like Woody yep. Guthrie, like an old he folk singer from the Dust Bowl. And wow. then the mere two to three years later when he was incredible. Mm-hmm. He was like this. Wow. And that one signed too. Cool. Yeah. That's blonde, blonde on blonde mm-hmm. cover. Yep. That's and a classic. That's, wow. that's a classic. And that's the best, best look. I think the hair, to, the <laughs> hair. And I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah. he went from being a dust bowl folk mm-hmm. singer to a, uh, and what star. was the time difference between the two albums? Three years. And oh, had, my gosh. He really, between, well, it looks like he was eating a little bit better, too. He put on some weight. He looks healthy. <laughs> and in between, he, uh, and then there were one, two, three, there were three albums in between in that three-year period. So he was basically coming out with an album every year of classic okay. stuff. So within four years there, yeah. he wrote probably 60 classic songs. Wow. It's um, just incredible. Yeah. All right. So well, last uh, year you went to the symposium. Yes. So, but I'm sure you knew a lot of this good information before that. So, um, what were some of the highlights of the Bob Dylan symposium? And yeah, I'll tell like, you how did about you, that. how did you manage to have that experience? It was quite an experience <laughs> for a Dylan fan. They, um, last year in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where they're, I can't remember the connection, but there's some connection with someone in the Dylan family or something. They're, they're having a Dylan archive at, at a, um, 
the Woody Guthrie Museum is there and they're setting up a Gillen Archive Museum that has will have a bunch of collectibles and everything. And to kind of kick off oh, wow. the okay. funding of that, they had a four-day symposium, which is basically, I mean, I thought I was like a pretty knowledgeable Dylan fan. Yeah. People came from all over the world. There were people there from Europe. Oh, my and, goodness. <laughs> um, it was basically four days of like a classroom setting where you could pick which sessions you want to go to. Okay. And the people there were maybe like your college professor. They were mostly academic people who were analyzing and, in my mind, overanalyzing. <laughs> right. You know, I brought the program from that is the world oh, wow. of Bob Dylan. <laughs> Look at and, that hair in that picture. Yeah. And that was probably. Is that the 80s? The, yeah, maybe the 80s, the late 70s. My goodness. Um, but. <laughs> They analyze things, you know, sometimes you hear it and you go, that's a cool song and you don't get too much into it. Some of the sessions were blood on the tracks through the lens of the liberal arts, interdisciplinary explorations of consciousness and authenticity in Bob Dylan's artistic process. Then you've got Bob Dylan's gentle and agnosticism, every grain of sand in the defense of objective truth. So that's kind of the... <laughs> Kind of all it's, over. It's, it, it, yeah, it was like a lot of it were like literature professors okay. comparing him to famous poets and picking things out. Wow. So some of them, I had a tendency to say, hey, he was just writing a rock song and he rhymed the two words together because they went together or it sounded good. Yeah, it's Sometimes like... Sometimes they, they overanalyzed a lot. They it's were, like psychological um, analysis of the guy. It's like he probably wasn't thinking too much about it it just you know came I mean, out. At, at one point the i remember an interview with him he said hey stop all this i'm not a spokesman i'm just a song and dance man and <laughs> if you like what i do that's fine but you know i'm no uh i'm not a spokesman for a generation i never intended to be so yeah i mean he seems pretty private like he doesn't necessarily he's not looking for all the fame and the Spotlight. On the other hand, then he does commercials. It's, he's kind of an enigma because, which is kind of, you know, he does commercials. He has his own brand of whiskey. I mean, he does all these things that you you think, you know, he's kind of a, a recluse and yet yeah. isn't interested in commercialism. But then he, well, maybe he's, it, never, he's never shied away from <laughs> trying to make a dollar by using his name either. So Yeah, well, it, it's probably easier work than going on tour. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> so, I don't know. I don't um, know that I'd have the energy for that at that age. But there was a, a four-day symposium. It's wow. really cool. And that's and in Oklahoma. The, and so they're setting up um, this whole Bob Dylan thing within the Woody Guthrie Museum. And not within it, but as a companion. I mean, it was the Woody, Woody Guthrie was from Oklahoma. Okay. So um, somehow there's a connection um, why it ended up in Tulsa. So it's an archive type of thing. Oh, and cool. uh, I'm not sure if it slowed that. It was just uh, starting out to the process of collecting. Oh, that's really cool. And that's, and that's, a permanent, like that. that's a permanent thing. It's not like it a, supposed a to moving. Be, yeah. okay. Right. It was supposed to be. I'm not sure if it's been put on hold with huh. everything going on. But, right. But uh, yeah, I thought I knew a little bit about Dylan. And I'm not like uh, I read books and I read magazines, but it's not like my life revolves around trying to be a Dylanologist or something. 
but these people- Is that people, an official term? I, I think it's an official term. Wow, but, okay. But it's like, so like if you ask one of these people at this symposium, and there were hundreds of people there, for, like I said, from all over. Wow. And if you said like, when's the last time you played It's All Over Now, Baby Blue? Somebody would say, oh, that was April 15th, 1987 in Buffalo. It's like, what? <laughs> you've, got, you've got too much time on your hands. Clearly. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, it was an interesting four that days. That is really I'm cool. I went. Yeah. Wow. And uh, yeah. So what else do you need to know? I don't know. So is, um, what is the, I don't even know this. Maybe you know, but when is the next Bob Dylan tour? Is he touring Obviously, he there's was. no tours, but like, right. is he supposed to be he, currently he, he touring? Was, he was on tour. He, he was, was okay. Got, yeah. Does he have any newer albums, or when's the last album he is, he's that got, he wrote? He just released two songs. One of them is 17 minutes long. Okay. And it's about John Kennedy's assassination. It starts out that way, but then it goes through history of, music and pop culture for the 60 years since that happened. Wow. 17 minutes long, and it became his first number one single of all time. And I guess now people were stuck at home and they downloaded it really? or streamed it or whatever. I, that went right over my head. I, I didn't catch wind of that at all. Yeah, and then he released, a, he released another one, another single the week after that. But he's got an album coming out next month. Okay. Do you know what it's called? So he's, um, I'm sure you've got it on pre-order. I've got it on pre-order. I can't <laughs> yeah. remember the exact name. The songs are again, 17 minutes long Oh my goodness! and it's not very tuneful. It's just kind of a, it's almost like him. Is reading. it more, is it more political? This kind of reminds me, and I, I might be imagining the completely wrong thing, but it kind of reminds me of Neil Young's album, Living With War. Is it's it not like really, that? it's not, it's not as overtly, I mean, Neil Young usually wears his heart on his sleeve yeah. and there's no doubt where he, uh, which I like that album a lot, Living With War, but no, this is more, I don't know how to describe it. It's kind of, you haven't heard anything like this, so you just kind of, okay. um, it's not really overtly political, but. Um, but it's not as like musical? It's It's just, not very musical. It just kind of has, has some. Is he more the, talking versus singing? Is that kind yeah, of the vibe? Yeah, it's, it's kind of him reading a long 17-minute poem. Hmm. Um, so hold on, I'll tell you in a minute. It's called Murder Most Foul, it's called. Okay. And then he's, his other song that he released, both of these are going to be on uh, an upcoming CD that's being released next month. Cool, we'll have to the look other, out for that. The other one's called I Contain Multitudes. Oh. So... I mean, yeah, as it, usual, he's got um, <laughs> yeah very abstract I mean, and purposeful words. Yeah, they're so. both songs are interesting. Okay, I wouldn't I wouldn't put them up in my favorites on the first listening. It's pretty hard to have too many listenings at seventeen minutes. You <laughs> wouldn't have much time left in the day if you listen to it too much. Well, everyone's listening to us for like an hour, so. Oh, we've been going for an hour. Almost. Oh, we have. Oh, see how easy this is. Yeah. <laughs> Just like a, if I drank coffee, it would be just like a oh coffee conversation. You don't even drink coffee, though. No, I don't. I'm afraid to see what would happen. Yeah. So, have I answered all your Bob Dylan I questions? I think so, unless there's anything like super cool you'd like to share. Any last-minute Bob Dylan favorite things? 
but no, I think this is really cool. It's, you know, it's kind of cool to cover something different. I've been doing a lot of, um, podcasts here lately with jazz musicians and stuff. So this Mm -hmm. kind of is, I mean, I love jazz, but this is more of my cup of tea. Yeah. I'm glad you asked me to do it. It's been very cool, fun and interesting. I'm glad I could maybe share some knowledge to somebody who likes Dylan, but didn't, uh, (laughs) well, I learned a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And his original name is Robert Allen Zimmerman. Yes, that's right. Yeah, from Minnesota. Yep. Hibbing or St. Paul. St. Paul, by the way. Didn't he, um, and this could have been just one of his fabricated stories, but he did hop a train. No, he didn't? I I think that was a fabrication Hmm. from what I understand. Okay. He went to the University of Minnesota and then dropped out after. So then how did he get from there to New York? I. I don't know if he took a just took a regular a train. train. Made, yeah, I don't know that he, <laughs> he hopped a train. Bought a ticket and yeah, had that's a passenger what, maybe seat. maybe actually did hop on it. Maybe that's what he meant by hopping. Gotcha, huh? Yeah, interesting. But he didn't he didn't lead the life of a hobo like he pretended. Like well, maybe was. I'll have to reread some of my stuff. I've got some books set up here. Um, yeah, there's a lot of. I might uh, need a, this Bob this Dylan a hundred songs and pictures book is really cool. Um, the first half of the book is actually the the music and the score of his songs, which is kind of mm-hmm. neat. So if you wanted to like sit down at the piano or on the guitar or whatever and play, you could. Um, and then of course you've seen the Bob Dylan scrapbook. Yes. Uh, 56 to 66. Um, and I've got a couple of magazines, but yeah, I guess I need a, I'm due for a new Bob Dylan book. Yeah. Well, Chronicles is the one that he wrote like an autobiography. You know what? I think I do have that. I've got volume. Are there two volumes? Yeah, I think I think there's only one volume, but he may have called it volume one. Okay, well, then I, you know what? I do have that. Um, I think it's in my Beatles cabinet for some reason, or Uh I I don't know where it's at. I would suggest reading that, but that's traditional. That's like a Dylan song. It's It's been, um, I mean, it's been a while since I've read it. It, It's just, you know, that stuff kind of escapes you over time. Well, maybe not for you, but (laughs) I don't have as good of a memory. So, yeah. Okay, cool. Okay. Well, thanks for being here. Happy birthday to Bob Dylan, 79. 79. And hopefully he'll be out on tour and we'll wait for the new CD next month. Yeah, cool. All right. Well, have a good one. Thank you, Jen. All right. Bye. Bye. All right. So that was Mr. Larry Rubin, and he was our special guest for our special episode, All Things Bob Dylan, for uh, Bob Dylan's birthday episode, again, turning 79. So thank you, everyone, for joining us. Um, This episode will be available on our podcast site. We are hosting on Anchor, so you can find us there. And then you can also listen on all of the main podcast platforms. And also be sure to uh, subscribe and follow on YouTube. So we will be posting the video segment there on YouTube as well. So you can see the live interaction and all of that fun stuff. Um, we are looking for some sponsors as well. So if you are interested in sponsoring our podcast, we would love to um, brag about you if you're a musician and would love to share something. So be sure to get a hold of us if that's something that might interest you. Again, thank you so much for tuning in. You can find us online at shockcityschool.com. And thanks for being here.